Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Michigan at the 41. What a hit! Ball's free! On the ground! South Carolina deserves to have it, and they do! Today's Believe in South Carolina podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Welcome in, everybody. It is Tuesday, May 31st, 2022, and this is Believe in South Carolina. But I have to say something. I have to say something. That long, long, long three-year title drought for my Boston teams it could be coming to an end because the Boston Celtics are going back to the NBA championship. I know the rest of the world is so happy because the Boston teams have been real deprived of championships going back to 2019 with Tommy Brady. But I bring that up, fellas, to just set that up to a guy that has been all over the map. And he has some connections with the Boston Celtics as well. We'll get to that in a little bit with our guest today. But joining us, as always, this is Mike Yuva. We got Nick Klaus. And we also have former Gamecock running back Marcus Lattimore with us. Fellas, hope you guys had a good Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, good so far. And so, Mike, so happy for you after that long, long drought. Because, you know, Boston, just always the suffering city when it comes to sports. But, I mean, I'm actually okay to see it. I like seeing Tatum and Brown and them get get to the finals. So, I'm okay with it. How you been, Marcus? I was down in Joshua Tree, California. So, I mean... If you ever get an opportunity when you're down in Southern California, just just go see it. I mean, it's the desert. It's hot. It's dry heat. Gusty winds, you know, so you never know what's going to happen with the weather. But go to Joshua Tree, California, if you get a chance. I didn't get a, I didn't get an opportunity to watch the game. You know, really, last, I got to be honest, last time I watched the Celtics was when my guy Kevin Garnett was there. Mm. I mean, at South Carolina. SC baby, proud of Molly. Happy for you. Happy Chicken. for you, Mike. Happy well, for I'm them. I'll tell you what. It's been a uh, it's been an exciting postseason to be able to watch. Take the fact that of, of you know what the team name is itself with the Boston Celtics. They play defense. It's going to be a fun series mm-hmm. to see them go up against Golden State. But Marcus, like last week, we had Byron Gerdo on, who gave some great insight, not just about. South Carolina football as far as the strength and conditioning program goes, but just his journey and the reaction on Gamecock Central specifically, but out, you know, farther than just that. But obviously I see it every day on the message board. They were blown away by his story. And we have another person today that I know you're close with. He is someone that has a story that's similar in a sense because he's, he's hopped around. He also worked at Tennessee a little bit. And Marcus, I'll let you introduce today's guest. This podcast has been uh, important for me because I've had an opportunity to reflect. And anytime you get to, and any time that you get an opportunity to like look into the past and see who had, see what, how you have become who you are, um, who's made a big influence on your life. Uh, it's just a lot of people that really just stick out. And 
I came in 2010. Our guest was here uh, two years prior, 2008. Um, he came to join the Gamecocks. But, man, I, I just – I look at – you know, I'm in a position sort of where I have to use leadership skills. And – I'm thinking like, man, who's influenced me so much, you know, and I look back on my team and it's, it's our guest today. I mean, just because of not, not only, I mean, yes, he was a great player and game cognition remembers this name, but I mean, just his positive energy, uh, always, always optimistic about this, about whatever situation that we were in, whether it be a practice or game or just, any type of situation where uh, the, like the team was together. I, I just, his, his impact is greater, uh, greater than he could ever imagine. Shaq Wilson, uh, my brother, man, it's so good to have you on the podcast. Man, I'm, I'm honored, man. I appreciate y'all having me on that. Uh, Mike, Nick, man, it's a blessing, man. And uh, shoot, bro. I feel it right there, man. I feel it right here in my soul and my uh, heart. Got my eyes a little welled up, man. Uh, it means a lot coming from you, brother, man. I, I seen, I seen you come up a lot, man. I remember when Gerard Sinclair would go down there and watch, watch you playing high school, man. And this is when I was still learning about South Carolina at the time, being a, a freshman, young pup, being seventeen. But it means a lot coming from you, brother, man. Being team captain together, man. Uh, love you. Just love you, man. Appreciate you, Mike. Appreciate you, Nick, again, man, for this opportunity just to be here with you guys. Love you too, bro. It, it I mean, and Gerard Sinclair, wow. I mean, Game Cognition. That's another name for you. Uh, from Florida. Yes, another Duval County. Florida. Uh, we had a – Shaq, we had a lot of guys during that era from Florida. Uh, what, a lot, who, man. Who, who was recruiting – who was recruiting y'all? You know, who was going down there the most? What, what, how did that connection, that pipeline from where we, I mean, and a lot of guys were from Jacksonville. Yeah. It was, uh, for, for me and a lot of guys who would coach, uh, Steve Spurrier Jr. He had a lot of them guys down there, man. In Jacksonville, uh, the, the class before me, man, had a ton of guys from Florida. You had Akeem Auguste. Akeem actually came in with me the next class, but you had the Joe Hills. Matt Clemens, Garcia, you had um, Gerard came a couple years early, Gerard Sinclair, Marvin Sapp from Jacksonville. Um, how were, how were Cook. we how were we snagging? How were we getting you? Like, how were we able to? I mean, there, there's a lot of schools down there, and I mean, you, you mentioned the name Garcia. I mean, Garcia could have went anywhere. I know man, all them guys could, man. Gerard had scholarships to LSU. Um, I think the biggest thing with Coach Spurrier, man, like we grew up watching the Florida, Florida State, the Miamis playing each other. And Coach Spurrier, man, I wasn't a Florida Gators fan, but I liked his greatness. I was a Florida State fan. And it was just always you seeing him put up the numbers. So when he got to South Carolina, that class in 07 really opened my eyes, man, when I came up here and got that offer uh, going into my 11th grade year because a guy from my high school got offered and uh, signed with South Carolina, Jameer Williams. And uh, he was big time, had Ohio State, Florida, Florida State. And uh, him and a guy named Arkey Smith from my high school both signed with South Carolina. It was like, okay, y'all with Coach Spurrier, you know, your Hall of Fame coach. Um, you know, he won a national championship. <laughs> the man won the Heisman. 
And it was just, you know how it is once you get around your guys, man, you come on those unofficial visits, then you come on your official visit, you like, okay, I can work with these dudes. They some dogs, I can work with them, I see where we at, we can go get it. So it was really exciting, man, just getting to learn more and more about South Carolina growing up. Uh, they really jumped on the map for me, I'd say. I remember it was like a, a hitch that I want to say uh, Sidney Rice caught or Troy Williamson. I remember, like, every Friday morning, uh, Saturday morning, I would go and get the newspaper, come back to the house, and we would sit down and watch, you know, SC football. And I remember somebody catching a hitch route, and it was on the – it was on the uh, I want to say it was on the the opposing team sideline. Caught it, hit it for, like, 70, 80 yards down the sideline. I was like, okay, I see South Carolina. They had the Russell on. You know, I was like, okay, South Carolina. And uh, that following year, man, I came to that spring game, going to my 11th grade year, I was like, okay. These dudes got Under Armour. commercials was rocking back then, man. So it was like South Carolina got it, man. He had some juice. He had juice from everywhere. But everybody from Florida, it was top guys, man. And everybody was winning in high school. I remember Garcia running the speed option. I remember Jarrah Sinclair leading the city in, in interceptions. Marvin Sapp leading the city in uh, tackles. He went to Bowles High School and went to uh, Sandalwood. It was just a lot of guys. Akeem and Antonio and Dion LaCorn, those was like state championship guys, man. And I'm like, they going up here doing it. And I went to that Friday night lights camp uh, going into my 11th grade year. It was no like senior, it was no juniors invited, but somehow we got to invite me and my teammate, Nigel Carr. We went down there and I remember Garcia being there, Joe Hayden. It was just the top players in the nation all at this Friday night lights camp. And uh, a lot of them guys went to South Carolina and it was like, all right. We got dudes. I want to win. I knew them guys was winning high school. I was winning high school. I like want to go do it with them. Shaq, you bring something up. And I remember Marcus a couple weeks ago, one of our other shows, talking about he's like, shoot, if Elshon didn't go to South Carolina, maybe I'm not going to USC. You know, when you see one of one of the guys right in state or even out of state, for you, you mentioned that long list. When you talk about developing pipelines, not even specifically just a high school, right, whether South Carolina, Florida, wherever, how much of an impact can that make when you are out of state or you are in state and you see other guys that you know going to a school, in this case, obviously, South Carolina? Yeah, I think it's a huge factor, man, because you go into camps with these guys since you're in 10th and 11th grade, and so you know who the ballers are. Like, you know who at those camps competing. You know who winning those reps, and football is number one-on-one -on -one reps. So you're seeing the D-line whoop the O-line. You're seeing the O-line whoop the D-line, you know, wide receivers, DBs. And it was a thing where, like, I was saying 09, like, we put up good numbers that year in 08, but the guys that came in 09, they saw the vibe we had. They saw how hard we worked. They saw how hard we competed, and they knew we was winners. And so that 09 class, really like the 08 class, we recruited the 09 class. And we got Alshon, Stefan, Devontae. We got uh, two Jarvis Giles and all those guys, man. And it was just Justin Cunningham. I mean, it was guys after guys, but the thing was, it was like they were all coming from winning programs. Mm. And I think that's very huge, man. Like, my high school was very similar to South Carolina. It didn't do a lot of winning, uh, you know, before I got there and before the guys got there before me. But we had good players. But it was the fact that, like, once we got there, that competitiveness started. Guys was winning reps all the time in practice. It led to the games. And then it was just like we got to South Carolina. It was the same thing. Like, if you come here and you win here, you're going to be remembered forever. Now, I think that was a big, 
a big thing they sold on us all getting recruited to South Carolina. Like, you come here, you're going to be the first guys to win really, really big here and be the first one to do it and can be remembered and take this, you know, this program to another level. So I think it's really important, man, that you create those pipelines in North Carolina, South Carolina, Florida, Georgia, that that five-hour radius, man. You grab those guys from Northeast, it can pay dividends, man. We've not seen it happen before. And you grew – I mean, you grew up in a town – well, you didn't grow up – you didn't actually grow up in Jacksonville. Nope, not until the middle of seventh grade. A little bit later. Yeah. So, I grew up in Lakeland, Florida, uh, you know, home of Ray Lewis, uh, our DB coach right now, Toyin Gray. He's from there. Uh, man, I grew up, you know, going to all the Lakeland Dreadnought games. My brother played for the Dreadnoughts. My mother went to the Dreadnoughts, all my uncles. Um, state champions, you know, a lot of the guys, you know, when we played Florida, it was the Pouncey Twins, Chris Rainey, Amaya Black. I grew up playing with all those guys in, in Little League. Um, my sister went against the grain and went to Kathleen Red Devils where Ray Lewis went, Freddie Mitchell, Desmond Clark, Paul Edinger, um, a ton of guys that went to the NFL. And, uh, man, I grew up in a town where it's like Friday nights. Like, it was like you, bro. It was like everybody in the city going to Bryan Stadium. My church was right across the street from Lakeland Dreadnought's home. I went to New Jerusalem Baptist Church, and it was right across the street. I could literally throw my baseball and hit the, hit the stands. And uh, it, I just grew up watching those guys win state championships, playing uh, playing Santa Juana's down south in the, in the uh, state championship. Um, like I said, my brother, he won one in 99. And it was just always like, I know I want to play football. I'm good at other stuff, but I, I love football, man. And growing up in Lakeland, it was just really competitive. Everybody knew me because of my family. So it was really awesome. I feel like I kind of went to college when I look back at it. When I moved to Jacksonville, it was kind of like going off to college. It was like, Nobody knows me here. It's the only person I know is my mother. And uh, it was like, all right, I get to make a name for myself. Nobody knows me as Frank's little brother, Candace's little brother, Gloria's son, Ricky's son. It was like, you go here and you, you stand on your own ten toes and, and you find your way, man. So it was really, really awesome looking back growing up in Lakeland and uh, getting to move to Jacksonville, getting, getting a fresh start and a new start, man, in a big city. And I, I mean, obviously, your upbringing. I mean, when when I hear all of these names that you're throwing out, I mean, God, way. I mean, I, these are the guys that I watch in college. These are the guys I watch in the NFL. Uh, I mean, it's obvious that you were influenced, and you know, just by your upbringing and by your surroundings. And it's it 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 brings the question up for me, like, how would you? What did you feel pressure? Like, did you feel pressure to when you were in high school or, or was it just you, you loved the, the, the love of the game, like override any pressure that, that you felt? Did you did you feel pressure? I would say the love of the game overrode it all, overrode it all for me because it was the fact of like I saw how much fun my friends and family had the joy I saw my mom's face, like me going out there playing. And it was, I would say, I still got this feeling even in college. I just needed to be hit one time and all my nerves went away. Like everybody knew in pregame, all my teammates know I'm shorter than most of all my teammates. I was going to hit you really hard. And I want you to hit me really hard in pregame just so I can get that, get it up out of me. I was that same way through Pop Warner, Little League, high school, college. I just needed just to get out there and, 
it was like I saw my sister compete. Like, like you got an older sister and an older brother, man. Like, I saw them compete at a high level, and I just loved it. I just saw, like, the enthusiasm they had. Like, my sister was a homecoming queen, ran track, played basketball. My brother, he had, you know, a good football career. And it was like – I just enjoyed it, man. I love I love being outside playing sports. Um, it's, it, is it safe to say that – sports was a was a just an outlet like an at like a different avenue i mean what you know I, I know just from talks from the past with you with other people from duval there's a that there, there's many ways that you could go in duval there's ma- yes. there's many different paths that you could choose is was sports like a safe haven uh definitely a safe haven Definitely. Um, when I got to Jacksonville, uh, I only played basketball and baseball. I didn't play football at all. Um, for that was seventh, eighth grade, I played basketball, played travel AU basketball. And when I got to Reigns High School in ninth grade, I was still – that was the first time I went back to football since sixth grade. And uh, this is a surprise you. Brian Dawkins actually built – rebuilt the weight room at Reigns High School. Uh, going into my ninth grade year. So it was a picture of Brian Dawkins, him flexing. You seeing like four different muscles all in his arm. And it's like, this is Reigns High School. Like, this is uh, Kevin Youngblood went there, you know, Lito Shepard. And it was always just, I was around really good people, bro. And I saw what success did for them. And I always a big believer that success leaves breadcrumbs. You just got to be, be willing to do the research. You got to be willing to see what they did and how they did it. And, you know, put your own spin on it. But if you want to be successful, you got to work for it. And it was just like you just see the you see the different paths. You know you know what's going on. And uh, I learned a lot from my brother and my sister. My sister's 10 years older than me. My brother's eight years older than me. So I was able to, like, see the things they did, their friends did, and try not to make those same, you know, be in those same type of situations later on in life. And uh, being at Reigns, man, I went there strictly for basketball because they had just won two state championships in basketball. It was a guy named Durin Kitchen, played overseas, a guy named Juwan James. Like, I literally tried to lead like them, just watching them lead a guy on the football name of Dunsay Hardeman and Keon Wilson. And uh, it was just the fact of how they walked, man, how they talked, how they led all the time. It was just like, okay, I see I see them. I see how they do things. I see how they go about their business. Let me see how I can, you know, put that in my life and be that way. Let me let me go to school, get really good grades. I took really hard class in ninth and tenth grade, and it paid off later on. But it was the fact of like, man, these dudes putting the work in, and you see what happens. Like you see like the, the smiles on teachers' faces. You see how they impress people in the community, how people in the community come up to them and talk to them. And it was something like I want that, I want that type of love, man, just from doing the right thing. My mom was big on that. Have five goals. Um, I literally on my bed, I wrote my goals up and take them to the top of my ceiling when I was in uh, in high school. And this like really happened at, at first coast when I went there in 10th through 12th. But uh, at, in ninth grade reigns, we had a teacher by the name of Miss Collins. I want to make sure I give her her flowers. And she had an affirmation. We had to say every day we walked in her math class, it was like, I am excellent. And you had to go through and say it, but it was every day we stood up as a class and we said, I am excellent. And uh, know anything about reigns high school, it's a graveyard across the street from that high school. And she will always tell the people in that in that graveyard did not die for you to come here and not learn and get better today. And it was a fact that just having somebody that was like your mom 
in the classroom with you every single day, giving you that positivity, man, letting you know you can be great at something. Whatever you choose to be great at, you can be great at it, but hey, you got to put the work in and you got to say it. You got to use your your positive mouth. You got to use your positive mind, your positive heart to get there. And that, that hard work and all that, I just saw that growing up with my mom and my sister and then working, and my brother working. It was just like, I, I got the foundation. I just got to go out here and do it. Hmm. <laughs> and, and Jackson is a great place, bro. Like, it's a, the biggest place land-wise. It's a great place. And it's like any other place in the world. You just got to choose to make the right choices, man. You got to choose to make the right choices. And you got to see people that's successful. You got to go seek people that's successful. And you got to go be man enough or woman enough to look them in the eyes and ask them, how do they do it? That's the biggest thing. Communicate. Get in their face and say, how did you do it? And, like, you was very similar to that, bro. Like, I remember you got here in that, in that summer, bro. When you got here, I remember we doing one-on-ones at the, you know, a team run. And I remember one time you ran, like, a little – you ran – it wasn't a regular wheel route. It was, like, the quick one, two, three steps right up. And we doing one-on-ones. I was like, okay, he got it. Like, I already knew about – I already knew about you because Gerard was telling me about you all the time. But I played with a guy at first was high school, was the number three athlete in the nation, came out with my senior year. And started at Florida my fresh his freshman year. And Jermaine was a crazy athlete. We ended up playing Berkeley on ESPN my senior year. And I got to see Jermaine versus Andre Ellington. I got to see play against Bruce when Bruce was in 10th grade. And that was a big deal to come and play on ESPN, you know, a Florida school versus South Carolina school. I remember the other two teams that played were Somerville and Booker T. Somerville had AJ Green. They had Reed McCullough in my uh, freshman roommate. It was me. Reed and uh, Jay Spearman and C.C. Uh, Whitlock. And I remember, like, Booker T having ice hairs, and it was a rain delay, so we talking trash with Booker T. Like, we're going to see y'all in state. You know, y'all handle the business. We're going to handle the business. We're going to see y'all in state. But, uh, man, it was just crazy to see Jermaine take over that game. And then a couple years later, bro, you get here, and I'm like, bro, he can cut just like Jermaine, but he bigger than Jermaine. Like, it's crazy, bro. Like, you you had it literally had it all, bro. You had it all, bro. And it was it was cool because I knew like I don't know if I ever told you this, but it was like when you was about to go train. It was our senior year. You said you was going to train in Miami, and uh, I was like, man, I want to come train with you, bro. Like I don't even I'm not going to go back to Jacksonville. I want to come train with you. You know everything happened, but uh, it was a fact that like somebody told me say, hey, you go against him every single chance you get in practice, and that's just how it was for me in little league. I went against the best in little league. I got to high school. I was going against Jermaine and a guy named Chris Jones who played with Tim Tebow at Nice. He transferred to our school my senior year. So I had two really good bats to go against. So I was always seeking out the competition, bro, because I'm like, I got to sharpen. I got to get better. And that's the only way you get better, bro. Even you you miss on that rip, you lose that rip. You're getting better because you're going against the best every single time. You got to seek out the best in everything you do. Well, Shaq, I mean, your hard work – and dedication obviously got you to South Carolina. You just spoke about Coach Spurrier getting you to South Carolina. I was just curious, going to high school in Jacksonville, I mean, like you said, in Florida, a lot of great college football programs. I mean, what really got you – well, really what I'm wondering is, I mean, were you nervous about coming to South Carolina, coming to Columbia, going that far from home? Was that something you wanted? You wanted to get out? get out of Florida or what were you looking for when you were getting recruited to different programs around the country? 
man, I was uh, I said I wasn't thinking about football at first. If a guy by the name of Fred Culver, Coach C in Jacksonville, didn't come get me out of a truck going into my 10th grade year, I wouldn't be playing football. And I was my defensive coordinator at first, Coach. Put a ton of guys in college. Um, got guys that won national championships, Super Bowls. Uh, he came and got me out of a car 10th grade, and I actually started linebacker that 10th grade year, led the team in tackles. But that summer, we rode to South Carolina in, like, different vans. And I remember just, like, I'm still trying to, like, get to know the guys I'm playing with, man, after I went through a season with them. But I was just so – I tried to be so humble and, like, take the back seat to things. I rode in the back of the van. I actually remember just I rode in the cargo of the van, the cargo, like, part of it, just to just have more space to stretch out and lay down. I remember getting here. We got to the camp and ended up earning a scholarship. Uh, I remember my best friend, uh, Addison Williams, being at that camp. Him and Cam, him and Cam are best friends. And I remember, like, meeting him at that camp. The guy, like I said, Jameer Williams, I played with in high school. He had already got an offer. And uh, once I got recruited, got that offer, man, I was like, okay, I like it. I love it. Um, we actually went to the camp. It was over by the Roos area, the Roos field. Um, did a little tour, and it was just like, man, I see all these places on TV. I'm actually here now, and I love it. And going back to school, playing that 11th grade year, but coming back, um, I didn't go to prom my 11th grade year. I actually came to the spring game. And when I came to the spring game, they had just unveiled uh, – it just unveiled, I want to say, the, the Under Armour jerseys. I remember Jasper Brinkley had it on. Corey Boy had it on. It's like, these things sweet right here. I can rock with this. I can rock with this. This ain't Russell. And uh, I remember, man, walking up the stands. You have your name tag. I remember walking through the stands, and the fans were showing so much love. I just remember it was so much love. And uh, I remember going to Coach Prairie's office, and I remember, like, riding in the car with Jameer and my mom. And I told Jameer, I was like, I'm, I think I'm committed today, man. Like, I love Sacramento, bro. Like, Coach Spurrier Jr. always hit me up. I, it just feels like home, and it's it's cliche to say that, but man, it felt like home. It was it was close enough to home. It was a three and a half hour drive, four hour drive, and it was close to Atlanta where I knew my mom wanted to move, and it was just like I committed, I embraced it, I loved it. It wasn't a wavering from it. I was proud to be the first commit of that class in '08. That was something big. Like I, my mom always told me, don't be afraid to be different. All my friends went to Florida State or they went to uh, Florida. Uh, I had three guys on my team that year go to Florida State. We had one guy go to Minnesota, kind of disperse. But it was like I kind of – I had been going to Tallahassee since I was eight years old. I grew up watching FAMU and Bethune-Cookman playing football at all the classes in Florida. I went to every single class growing up. My sister going to FAMU. So it was like I want to play in the SEC. Like I said, I will always go get that newspaper Saturday morning to see what everybody in the city did. But then it was always SEC football on around 11 or 12 p.m. It was 11 a.m. or 12 p.m. It was always an SEC football game on on basic TV. Okay, well, SEC football. And that was huge for me. Like, man, everybody going to see me play. I'll get to play against the best. Like, you you know all those stats of, like, guys that's going to the NFL. They playing in the SEC. They playing against the best every week. And uh, it was like, I can go here and do it, man. And when I committed, I already had had it planned. That I wanted to graduate early from high school. I saw – my mom used to get me these books. to start with, I think, Athlon books. Um, 
and I was seeing stories about a guy that went to Penn State by the name of Williams, I think he wore number two. And I remember Tim Tebow's story, like they graduated early from high school. And that was huge for me. Like I can go get, I got a scholarship. My mom don't have to pay for school. You know, my sister was on academic scholarship in college and she was 10 years older than me. So I got to see her like live out her life and know what she was doing. And I was like, I can get the scholarship. My mom ain't got to pay for school. I'm set up, I'm playing football. And I just was like, this is huge. This is a huge accomplishment. I got great dudes here already at South Carolina. I just got to graduate from school, get out of Jacksonville, and go do what I need to do. And like I said, Jacksonville was a great place, bro. It was, you can go down any way you want to go, but it was great people around me. And I saw a guy by the name of Ryan Stamper. He graduated three years before me, went to Florida. But I saw him and what he did at First Coast. I was kind of chasing all his records at First Coast. My neighbor was Nigel Carr, who was the number one, number two linebacker in the nation. And I was like number 10 or 15. And so every camp we went to, we went to prove we was the best. And uh, I would say when we went and played Berkeley, that really secured my commitment. We went and played Berkeley on ESPN. And I had like, I remember I had like 18 tackles. I had the game winning pick. First Andre, Andre ran like a little check right at the end, caught the pick. And uh, riding back on the bus, you know, Nigel looked at me, he was like, bro, this place going to be awesome for you, bro. And I, I kind of wanted to get all them guys to come up here with me. I kind of wanted to get all the way. I knew, like, you you get away, it's going to help you grow up. And uh, it helped that it was a lot of guys from Florida, Atlanta, South Carolina, and North Carolina on the team that I just really gelled with every time I came up here on a visit. I had a great time, man. You would you would have thought I was in Atlanta when I came on visits up here, man. It was just so fun. And the coaches were just so, you know, Loving and real. My mom enjoyed it. My mom wanted me to get away. So uh, I would say my mom and my coach, Fred Cover, played a big part of me wanting to go to South Carolina. And just the relationship that Coach Spurrier Jr. had with my mom. Like, he still texts my mom to this day every Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. I can always count on that. Uh, her telling me about Coach Spurrier Jr. hit my mom on hey, telling her Happy Mother's Day. He check up on me as well. But it was just those, those relationships you build throughout recruiting, man. Like, like you know, bro, like, those relationships mean a lot. Even if you don't go to that school, those relationships, your parents and you build with them, that's the thing I want guys to really get in this high school process and even college. Keep building these relationships because there's relationships that we'll talk about later that help me right now in my, in my uh, career as well. But uh, South Carolina, it was a lot of love there, man. It's still a lot of love here. It's a lot of love. Speaking, speaking of relationships, I, I – I go down your list and on your references, Shane Beamer, Craig Fitzgerald, Joe Connolly, AJ Artis, Lorenzo Ward, Chris Rump, Mike Peterson. I mean, the, the, that's the name of the game. I mean, it's just bu- building relationships. Can you t- Can you tell us about Coach Beamer? Bro, Coach Beamer is amazing. Like it's a funny story my family will tell you now about getting back to South Carolina. Uh, they heard me say this so much. Coach Beamer, Coach Beamer, Coach Beamer. It was like when I saw Coach Beamer come at South Carolina, it was like I know who Coach Beamer is. I done played for him. You know, like I got here, Coach Beamer was the, the DB coach. He was coaching Captain Muddle and Carlos Thomas, Stoney Woodson at corner, Addison Williams at corner. And uh, dude was full of energy, bro. He was full of energy, and it was contagious. So when he got 
the special teams job and moved into coaching the uh, the, the Nichols our spur position. I never forget, bro. We go play North Carolina State, and it's my sophomore year, and I'm like, I played a lot as a freshman. I got a couple. I got some PT on defense, but it was like I want to start this year. Me and Eric Norwood had a bet. Like I'm gonna start by the third game, and I love my boy Rodney Paul. Like I rode with Rodney Paul everywhere. Uh, my freshman when I first got here at 17, but Coach Beamer put me on kickoff return. I I took that as an honor. Like that's the hardest block in college football. I mm-hmm. thought to be on that front line on kickoff return, and uh, he gave me an assignment. He was like, "Hey." I just want you to wheel back, and you just need to you need to clip one of these guys, just take them off. And uh, he had me starting on punt team, but it was always his energy, bro. Like it was his being locked in. His meetings were so full, bro. It wasn't no uh, special teams. You sinking down in the chair. It was like he locked in, calling on you. Hey, what's your assignment? Uh, he made it so fun, bro. And you knew the history. You knew you knew his name. You knew where he came from, and you knew he worked hard to get where he's at, man. Like. The name of the game is, like, I'm working now to put my kids in position to where they're able to be set up in great positions. So I was just like, this dude done put the work in, bro. And playing for him, it was like, I was just always full of it, bro, just always full of juice. It wasn't hard to give me juice. But when your coach got juice, you're going to take on that persona. I'm big on that. Whatever persona you got as a coach, your players going to have. They're going to walk like you. They're going to talk like you. They're going to eat like you at when y'all eating you know, dinner together, uh, Friday nights, breakfast, you know, laugh and choke like, you know, they know how to be relaxed like you and then turn it on. And it was, he was just like that, man. Like he was relaxed when he needed to be relaxed and he turned it on. We need to turn it on. We was always ready to go on special teams, bro. Like we had fun. And so that was the first thing popped in my head as a, as a 30 year old, uh, when this, like when this opportunity came up to come back here, it was like, I remember how he made me feel when I was 17 through 19. You know, like, even even that year when I got hurt in 10, bro, like, I got hurt in a special team drill. I didn't care. Like, I was going hard. You know, like, I had just came from SC Media Day. We in fall camp. I got hurt on the special team drill. I didn't care. I was like, I want to play special team. I was on kickoff. Like, I want to play kickoff. And that type of duty was, it was like, Coach, I'm going to run down here and put my face in it. Like, I'm going to literally go down and hit you guys with my eyes and stick my face in this contact because you knew that's the type of guy he was going to speak up for you in your meetings. Um, he's the same way, man. He still got that fire, still got that dog, still got that chip on his shoulder. And I feel like our whole team's taking that type of, you know, persona, bro. And it, it's going to show. It's going to continue to keep showing. And it's only going to get better, bro. Jack, you mentioned buying in. Buying in. Special teams is one of those things, right? Like, if you can buy in on special teams, right, your coach might tell you to do something. It might be the craziest thing in the world, right? I mean, Marcus and I, we talked about this, Nick. We talked about this. I had former college coaches. They make you run through two feet of snow. That poor guy from Dutch Fork when he came up, that's probably the most snow he ever, he's ever seen in his life. Shout out to Jarrell Flip and my fellow cornerback. But my point being is, Shaq, you see that right now. And we asked Byron this last week on the show, and Marcus and I, we've talked about it. Nick and I, we've all talked about this. What are you noticing in just that first year in comparison to maybe during that 2009, 2010, 2011 period when South Carolina was at a high. Obviously, great season last year. Bars risen. Got to be able to get back to that point and take it to that next level this upcoming year. But what are you noticing in some of the similarities to help hopefully continue to head in that direction and to take it to that next step? I lean on experience, bro, and I would tell you, like, why special teams and all that was so important. I bring up this name again. Gerard Sinclair, like it was the guys on the team 
that let us know this is important. Gerard literally broke it down for me. He was like, bro, I don't start on defense, but I'm playing about 25 plays a game, 25 to 30 plays a game just on special teams. And this was a guy that I won an award in Jacksonville as far as the, the best player in the North Florida, South Georgia award, defense player. And it's a guy that won that award. And he was humble enough to know that he got Jasper Brinkley starting at linebacker. He got Eric Norwood starting at linebacker. He's got a young freshman dude that's trying to find his way that's from the same neighborhood and stuff he's from. He's like, I got to show him, hey, you work hard on special teams, you're going to get your shot on defense. And I think all the guys grasp that from the older leadership. And that's what I say I can compare. I love the older leadership we have on the team, man. And it's got to be driven by the coaches, but it's also got to be taken by the players and ran with, with by the players. And uh, I would say, bro, you see it. You see guys that are starters starting on special teams, that want to start on special teams. They know it's going to pay off later on down the career in their, in their line, in their career where they want to play in the NFL. But they know the best thing for South Carolina is for the best guys to be out there where the most yardage is covered in special teams. Those guys see it, bro. Like, when you see a guy like Melvin Ingram on field goal team, a guy like Trayvon Robertson on field goal team, like I said, I I, I embrace special teams a lot. As a, as a defender wanted to be on punt and kickoff because you could pad the stats on tackling. But it was like, I need this field position. I need this field position. I got to get the ball back to Marcus Lattimore. And a lot of that came from high school, man. Winning programs in high school have that same mentality. We all started on special teams. And it was, it was a big thing to have highlights from special teams on your highlight when you're being recruited. Like, I tell recruits right now, I want to see some, as a defender and offensive player, I want to see some special team clips on your highlight. I want to, I, I personally want to see it because I want to see how much you love the game. I want to see how much you, I want to see how much you enjoy blocking, man. Like, it was something, the fact of uh, Coach Beeman, one time I was blocking on a kickoff return. My grandmother had, it, went, it was in that time. But I, I remember this a year later once Coach Beeman was gone, but, it was the fact that, like, if I did miss my block on kickoff return because I felt like it was the hardest block, that I would go block somebody else immediately. I'm going to find a way to help this guy out. I remember my, I played a game with my grandmother that we had. We had to bear my grandmother Saturday. We played in Arkansas 2011, and they flew me on the on the, um, they flew me on the plane from Lakeland all the way to Arkansas to play in that game. And I wanted to play. My mom wanted me to play. And it was a fact that, like, I, I missed my block. I was like, man, I got to stay in it. But – it was the fact that I heard Coach Beam like, hey, man, give me that positive affirmation. Like, hey, I appreciate you not giving up on the plate and going to make another block to spring this guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think things like that, when you're coaching your guys and your players see that, like, I'm going to coach you hard, but I'm also make sure I give you that same love when you go out here and put the effort and you consistently do it all the time and try to do stuff the right way. And I think our team really got that, man, like, Coach Beeman do a great job of calling out everything he see good, and he do a great job of calling out everything he see bad. And, you know, I heard Byron talk about that accountability, man. Part of love, our number one, our number one staple of our program is love. And loving somebody is holding them accountable. It's always holding them accountable. I said this at Byron's wedding. I said, I told everybody, don't be afraid to hold each other accountable. Your friends, your mom, your dad. Your, your your significant other, your kids, it, it all pays off in the long run. They're going to always come back to you later on and say, I appreciate you holding me accountable. And uh, that re- just having that respect, I feel like our players are really gaining respect for each other and the coaches. And uh, just being able – just seeing the accountability and how 
think everybody's held accountable for what they need to do at all times. Shaq, how's your daughter? Man, she awesome, bro. She's she's five nine. She is uh five nine. She's five. She looked me right in my eye, man. <laughs> she looked me right in my eye. And you know, y'all seen her a lot. I had my daughter my my freshman year in college. And at one point they was living in Columbia with me and she came to study hall and meals with me. Uh Dr. Kuzak, you know, uh rest in peace, Dr. Kuzak. She allowed me to bring my daughter to my to her class. Uh Dr. Kuzak was just amazing about that. Um, and Christian is doing amazing. She's a uh, 13 going on 14, going to the eighth grade, um, running track, playing basketball. She just uh, came in second in the city at the city championships on the four by the four by 14. She she running the 200 to 400. Um, she loves school, man. All my kids are different personalities, but they all wear that big smile. They all humble and they gonna say what's on their mind, and there's no hand but to be in the pan. Uh, Peyton, my daughter Peyton, she's seven. She's in competitive cheerleading. She loves school. She she talks about every single thing that's going on. She knows everything that's going on. She she has ears that hear everything. And then my baby boy Dayson, he's five, and right now he's killing me with Spanish. Right now, like he's bilingual and he's killing me on the the months and the, <laughs> I got him with the numbers, but the months. And the days, man, he's got me on that right now. So I'm trying to catch up with him on that. And he's playing soccer and basketball. And uh, I love my kids, bro. I absolutely love them. And Coach Beamer does a good job, man, and Coach White and Coach Lindsey of allowing me, hey, I got this coming up, Coach. Can I go Can I go be here? And they go right ahead, bro. Like, that was huge for me coming back to South Carolina, just being closer to my family, man. And uh, it's a blessing to have healthy kids that – love you that wants you around that love seeing you and they they just love life bro that's the biggest thing about having like kids like they love life and you love being able to work to set them up to be able to do whatever they want to do at any time sound familiar <laughs> sound, sound sound really familiar how, how have how have they how have they made an impact on like just on how you go about your everyday life, like how you go about business as a coach, how you go about business as this teacher, mentor, and like what, how do they motivate you? Uh, I start with Christian, man. Having a kid as a teen parent is hard. You're trying to be a student athlete, um, you know, just trying to do stuff every day. It was, it was more motivating because it was like, hey, I got somebody, you know, I got to make sure I set up in life. And uh, I would say, bro, the biggest thing was just the way my mom sacrificed for me. I wanted to be able to do the same thing for them. Like, I never wanted to miss anything. I always wanted them to get a huge hug from me. I always wanted to listen. I want everybody to get this from me. It was like, my mom did an awesome job of building a relationship with me. And that's the number one thing I do with all my kids. I try to do a good job of listening and letting them talk and letting them get their feelings out and just listening and helping them understand the world that we live in, you know, the good, the bad, but also just the, how much how much you can feel alive and just how happy you can be living life, no matter the circumstances. My mom was never big on playing the victim. 
it was always that's where I got the optimism from was just like no matter what's going on, let's let's move forward, let's understand what's going on and let's be let's find joy in it, man. Let's find peace, let's find joy in it. And I truly try to do a really good job of giving my kids attentive you know, attention where they are just like talk to me. You know, even if you if this one wanna go go sit in the room, she'll oh she wanna go chill in her room. All right, let's let's go play, let's go have fun, let's let's go outside. What you like doing? What you like? You nobody wants to eat the same thing, um. But the motivation is just I want to. I want them to have the same joys that my mom was able to present for me. The same joys. Uh, I want them to have the same. You know, when a situation arises, some people might call a mistake. They don't feel burdened where they can't come talk to me about it, um, or anybody in, in our village where they can't come talk to us about it. They feel open, and we have a great relationship with it where they can come talk to us about it and be honest with us about it. Um, that honesty is key in every relationship. You can be honest and we can figure it out. Everything's going to be fine. It's just always having that honest relationship and conversation with them that really helps um, helps you get through life, man, and get through life in a way that you're able to enjoy it and, and you feel at peace about your decisions that you made and knowing how to bounce back from any situation you had, had uh, happen in life. I mean, speaking of bouncing back, I'll never forget. You broke your foot. Was it was it your foot that you broke? Yep. So it was my it was my hamstring. I tore my hamstring. Twenty ten. I mean, just seeing you come back from that. I mean, I know you you caught <laughs> I don't remember what game it was, but you came back that following year and you caught a pick. So and I, I just you know I know that that injury in itself I mean that soft tissue injury what whether you pull it you have a grade one you pull it a little bit I mean that stuff you 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 kind of afraid to run you know because you just you don't want that yeah. same feeling again that little grab that you have yeah. in the back but you came back from that I don't know man I just remember you catch catching that pick running like it. Was it? I don't remember what game it was. I, so you talking about? I, it was Vandy. So you talking about that it was, was two Vandy, years though. after. So the crazy thing about it, this this how uh, I feel like my experiences always. My mom always said things you're gonna go through in life you're gonna be able to help somebody behind you. And uh, I remember that year leading the team in tackles in '09 as a sophomore, and '10. I remember having a great spring. I got the Defensive Player of the Year award. And on that team, bro, we had everybody. Stefan was just a freshman. Um, you know, Melvin Melvin was just – he was a year older than me. We had everybody, bro. So, to be able to play at that high level with so many great players around me, I was like, bro, I'm finna really take off in 10. I went to the SEC Media Day with Patrick DeMarco and Cliff Matthews. And I remember being asked, you know, how do you replace Aaron Norwood? And I was like, I'm just be the best Shaq Wilson I can be. I can't be Aaron Owen. I'm going to be the best that I can be. And so I was really excited about that team year, bro. We just got my boy Lat. I got me a running back. Like, I don't care what nobody say. When, you, when you're when you a defensive player, when you know you got an offense that can stay on the field, you get a, a running back that can do it at a high level. I was very excited about that year, bro. Getting hurt the first day of practice, sitting out. And it came to a point when, like, they sat me down, Clint Haggard. And uh, the coaches, Coach Johnson, Coach Spurs, like, hey, this 
this the last game you could play in before you have the medical red shirt. So I tried to go out and play Auburn game. And man, I went out there and I knew I couldn't like run. I just I just knew it, but I wanted to try, I wanted to play. We went out there, we had a good, we had a good game going up 14. I remember re-pulling it. I remember a fumble on the other sideline. By that time I had two fumble recoveries that game already. I remember another fumble happened and I couldn't get to it. Antonio got to it and it somehow bounced out of bounds. And then um Ontario McKayla broke broke a long run. And uh I, I end up I, I remember end up I mean I remember overstriding and re-pulling it and I had to sit down the rest of the season. And I remember that that following game, I remember in the press conference, I remember saying, you know, like they asked you how you felt. I was like, man, I feel okay. I know I didn't feel good. And uh I remember just like we got Alabama. We got Alabama in a week and a half. Don't worry about it. we'll be ready. And I remember being on that sideline just full of emotion and couldn't go out there and play. But just like did everything in my power for that rest of the year, bro. Just to watch our boys ball out, man, and help my help my fellow linebackers out or anything. So that following year, I lost some weight to try to get down in eleven. And I just ain't had a balance, bro. Like I played that rest of that, that next year, I just ain't had the right balance. I'd come to balance. And I knew I lost my long speed, but I Coach Fitz did a great job. Coach Connolly did a great job. Uh just like building up my confidence, bro. I spent the whole year in Muscle Beach. I call it when you in uh you know how it is, like I spent the whole year, I spent the whole year in Muscle Beach and got huge. And uh that's kind of how my love for, you know, strength and condition ended up coming in later. Just spending all that time with a man, running strength coaches. And then when our senior year, uh, I remember just working, bro. I was like, I want to just be the best I can possibly be and leave it all out there. And uh, I remember just the Bible studies that Dylan, AJ Ken, Nick Jones, I want to say uh, that used that a couple times in retreat. We had a Bible study. And I just was really in the word, bro. You know, I was making sacrifices in my personal life. And I remember, bro, just like everything I'm doing, do my job, I'm lead the right way. And that play came. I remember catching it. And I was like, I'm going to run as fast as I can. <laughs> and uh, I took off, bro. And I remember at the time, I, I the guys that Stacy actually ran me down. I tried to step on it later on. But it was just just doing your job. And at that time, I probably, nobody probably knows, but uh, Clint and Rachel, who works with us in, on this on staff now in our training department. I actually had a hole in my knee, on my left knee. I had got cleated, and the cleat mm. went through my skin because it was raining out there that day mm. on that turf. And it, they somehow, if you look at the picture of that picket, my my left leg is taped up. I still got a nice little divot in my knee right now. And uh, I remember, like, taking my gloves off, all that stuff, and the play just came. And just doing your assignment, bro. You do your assignment on defense, bro. And you play hard, and you, stuff don't happen. Just try to outcompete the guy for the ball. And what crazy that, I remember, bro, like, you was coming off your injury, and it was like your first hit, you fumbled. And I remember them driving, and I didn't care. I was like, I got to get the ball back for my guy, bro. Like, this is my brother. Like, you know how I am about everybody. If I say I love you, I love you. You know what I'm saying? That's just how I was raised. And uh, it was really important for me, bro, to get you that ball back, bro, so you could show everybody. I showed up, get the ball back at, like, plus 50. You take it in, touchdown. Hmm. And that bro Seeing you have success, bro, that made me feel I I always I always been big on like praising praising everybody for having success, bro. And you you notice know we've been out there in that hot sun, that Carolina heat. If one eat, we all eat. 
if one eat, we all eat. We mm. heard it multiple times. And like I said, we came from winning programs. I'm gonna say this like we came from we all came from winning programs. And we all got together, bro. It felt like the monsters. Like it felt like, <laughs> hey, it didn't matter if a coach changed your position. We had guys move from defense to offense. It didn't matter if you move from safety to linebacker. Like it was just like if one eat, we all eat. We all celebrated each other having success, man. That that was big. That's what I see on our team now, bro. Like Coach Beamer always talks about the positive energy. Celebrate together. Don't celebrate individuals. Celebrate together. And, bro, we always celebrate together. It was even in runs. <laughs> like, it was everything we did, bro. It was always celebrating together, man. And it was always positive. If we got to get out of situation, let's go. Like, instantly. Let's be – it's always leadership on and off the field. And that leadership off the field saved our lives and, and kept us all in line so we can make our moms and our dads proud of us. And our confidence because we always stuck together as far as trying to do the right things at all times, man. And it was just it, it just it just it overflowed in all our lives, bro. You you see it today. You just see it today. And success looks different all around the world. And you see it today on those teams. All those guys are successful, bro. Cause we we all know how to be accountable. We all know how to love each other, but we also just we we embraced everybody else's success at all times, and we knew that that led into our success. We'll have more of our interview with Shaq Wilson, but first, I have to tell you about our friends at Bet Online, who continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs in sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments for the NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball fights, and NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and the fan favorite Vegas Casino and poker games. It's really easy to get started. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up and use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. You know, I was <laughs> I was gonna ask you, you know, what what made us so what made us dominant during that time period, but you just kinda you kinda really answered it. <laughs> bro, bro. Remember the whole team lifting together? It was just com- competition all around. I I I, I don't want to speak for you, but I know you had plenty of competition in high school. And I felt like I had plenty of competition in high school. So when we got there, it was like winning workouts, competition, bull in the ring. It's certain stuff we can't do nowadays, but it was competition on every single rep. You'd be in jail with doing (laughs) stuff we did, man. Man, it was just competition on Mm. everything, bro. And, man, one-on-one pass rush. I remember running the inside, and people think, like, I I laugh with the players, but I'm like, man, I ran the inside. I was screaming inside because – DJ and them running over there to one on ones. They got they match up. They one on one. So I'm inside. Get inside. We go to team inside. We go to uh one on one, one on one pass rush. Bro, it was fun, bro. I remember like you coming off your, your first knee injury, and it was like I beat you one time. You lit at your knee, and now I want you again, bro. It was just always competitive, bro. It was, it was the fact that people laugh about. You know, um, you hear people say like you know, practice was way harder than games. It was like that in high school for me, but when I got to college, it was like that. Those years we were really good. Practice was hard, bro. We it practiced. was hard we in a good way. Like we we embraced it. Like it was fun. Yeah. It wasn't like we left it tired and just worn out. It was like, nah, when I get to the game. Made the games easier. The game was so easy. Yeah. And and I want I really want the players, even the coaches, 
to uh, around the world to hear this, like, bro, players really got to embrace this part of the game where the ones have to be just – the twos have to be just as good as the ones. The twos have to be just as good as the ones, and I'm going to push you that way. I'm going to be on you that way. And I think I got that just from watching successful teams in front of us. I would say, you know, growing up, I saw the Florida State, but the Florida, the recent teams, the Floridas, the Bama teams and stuff, it was like, bro, we were good. Our twos were just as good as the ones, bro. And it was like that all day long. And the ones knew they had pressure on their back. And it was just the ones wanted to see the, the twos eat just like them. I know me at linebacker, man, I rotated my whole career, and I embraced it, bro. Quentin Smith will tell you, Reggie Bournes, Demario Jeffrey, Rodney Powell, Eric Norwood, all, even Jack. Like, when I was a freshman, Jasper Brinkley wanted me to go in there and get some just like him. Like, he was just in, excited for me to go in a Tennessee game and, and lay that wood on Aaron Foster with him. I remember playing with – I hit Aaron Foster with uh, Emmanuel Cook and Norwood at the same time and just being so excited, bro. And it was like I was a three then. And it was just like the competition was so high all the time in practice. We're like, bro, you lead a game, you don't even feel sometimes, you know, we ain't like you, like we got 11 people hitting us at one time. But sometimes you have the game, like, dang, I feel more, I feel more beat up in practice than I feel in the game, you know. And it was, just, it was fun, bro. The games were just so easy. When you got into those tough spots and games, you felt like you was prepared, like you revert back to your training, and your training was way up here. You're going to stay up here, man. Like, it don't matter what adversity shows up. Running them stadium st- stairs, man. It was like, Byron ain't tell y'all this story. You know, I got a great story, Byron. We in, we running summer workouts. Summer workouts, we running, man. And it's accountability thing. And you never want players to fight or anything like that. You want to be able to handle it, talk it out. But we had a player being disrespectful to a coach. We running upstairs. Byron hit that guy with, with, with that fit, that big fist he got hit him. Hey, man, we talk to our coaches like that. Everything I hear respect, you know what I mean? And it was like, dude played in the NFL for a long time. Mm-hmm. You got to bounce back and forth between, you know, different positions. But it was that respect thing, bro. Like, we all respected each other, man. We respect each other off the field. We respect each other on the field. And the hard work was just always put in, bro. And it was always like, I want to do my part to help us be successful. And uh, I, th- I think it just – it flowed through all of us, man. That's why we had so many guys coming here to play, and that's why we got guys coming to play now, man. It's like the players want to play with dudes, and if you show that you're a dude and you show you got other dudes around you, that's going to keep your body as injury-free as possible when they can take those reps off of you. You know what I'm saying? And and as a starter and starting for those three years, like four even getting, being injured, it was like I want the dude behind me to be just as sharp as me. Ellis Johnson wasn't letting me leave the classroom you know, the meeting room without being able to draw 11 on the board, being able to draw the assignments. It was something that's why I know I'm shorter than all y'all. I know I'm not as big as y'all. I know I'm as fast as y'all. But right here, right here, and right here, I'm going to get you. And I'm also sure I want to prove to my teammates every single day why I'm out here playing. That was, like, huge for me as far as, like, in high school and, and college was, like, I want to prove to the players. I want to prove to the coaches, like, I'm not playing just because Spurrier Jr. recruiting his daddy, the head coach. Like, I'm not just playing because, you know, Ellis Johnson or I've been here for longer than you. I'm going to come out here and show you. And then I want to show you, bro, why I'm making this read, why I'm moving so fast. I don't have all your all your talents, but I do have talents. And I'm going a, I'm to a make – I'm going to exhaust every last one of them I got, bro, and, and play physical as I can. And I just want y'all to follow behind me with it. It was a fact of uh, Coach Ward one day. When he took over as a D.C. that following year in 12, he said, uh, 
you know, if you're a leader, stand up in the room. And DJ, me and DJ are the only people that stood up. And I looked around. I just like, man, all y'all stand up, bro. Like, all y'all leaders. And I'm big on that. You could, you might see me put that on social media. I call people goats. And I tell you, I love you. But I'm big on that, bro. Like, Mike, you a goat. Nick, you a goat. Let you a goat. Because it's somebody looking up to you that think you're the greatest of all time. And if you carry yourself that way and you hold yourself accountable that way, great things going to happen, man. And people see everything you do especially nowadays, but it's also having that confidence to say, hey, I am the greatest. You know what I'm saying? Find something you're really great at. We all got talents. And your talent might be to be on scout team just this year, only this year, and show how great you are. I had Debo Samuels on my scout team one year, Coach. I had Hayden Hurst on my scout team one year. I remember one time going to a coach, this guy shouldn't be over here, Coach. You know what I'm saying? But (laughs) this guy shouldn't be over here, Coach. What are you doing over here, Coach? And – uh. It was the fact of like embracing that man. Like I remember Rakevius Watkins being on scout team. Like I remember Rakevius Watkins being on scout team. Guys might not know this name. Play for I've G. never in my life seen a three hundred forty pound man move somebody like the way he moved people. Yes, and I remember him knocking the crap out of Demario Jeffrey. Demario Jeffrey broke his wrist that day, but I remember he got out on the scout team's reverse and he. You know, laying that wood on us, man. Gary Chisholm. Gary Chisholm hit me up all the time. What's up, greatness? Mm. Like, I want to give these people their fives, like, because these are mm. people that have shaped us, man. Gary Chisholm, every time he's seen you, Mike, what's up, greatness? Nick, hey, man, we, we at the cafeteria. What's up, greatness? Like, that's that's the type of people we had around us every single day. That's the type of brotherhood. We, we talk about brotherhood, and you see how much love we show each other. And just how we walk and try to go do our best in life, it's like, bro, we had these type of guys around us every day. Marvin Sapp, hey, come pray with me, brother. Like, like we how had these type help? of guys around. Shaq, how much that helped? Because we're sitting here, right? We're talking so much about football because that's obviously a big part of your life. It's a big part of Marcus's life. But for you, you you had to face so many hurdles early on in life. And there could be hurdles that I don't even know. Maybe Marcus knows some things because obviously you guys were teammates. But where I'm going with this is this. You have an injury in 2010. That's not easy. That's not easy to see your boys go out there, beat Alabama, everyone celebrating. You want to be part of that. You have children early on in your college career. That's not easy to have to juggle being a student athlete. I say all that because that's just a small part of it, right? I'm looking at your resume right now, right? You worked as a grad assistant in 2013, quality control coordinator for defense in 2014, assistant director of recruiting in 2016. Then you went to Tennessee for a little bit as well. You bring these things up because as a grad assistant, I mean, shoot, I had conversations with Dan Mullen when he used to be at Mississippi State. We used to talk about it. He said, I could tell you every place in New York where they would have dollar slices or dollar draft beer nights. He's like, I was sleeping on a mattress out of a suitcase with four other coaches in the living room. GA life's not easy. So for you, we heard we heard Byron, what helped you keep pushing forward? I mean, you had your you had your children, you had the injuries that you went through in life, but what helped you push through that to be able to get to this point? Because I feel like so many people and I'm not saying you're bringing in the millions and millions if you are, you could, you know, give us a nice little kickback here over at Believes in South Carolina. But I think some people look at some of these coaches that do make the millions and millions they forget the journey. And everyone's journey is different, but from GA to this and that, you're making pennies. Shoot, you're making peanuts. You're not even making pennies. You might be making the shell with no nut inside. 
What helped you keep staying focused to get to this point, man? Um, I will. I I say this. I would say my faith, my faith, my faith, my brotherhood, my family. Um, I went through a situation. A lot of people don't know. Like Marcus, Marcus might know. I went through a situation my freshman year. Well, like my father like broke my heart, man. He did something that you you never do as a father. Um, situation happened. And uh, I had Clint Haggard, the coaches, Dr. Malone, really got me the help I needed just to uh, talk through the situation I was going through. You know, um, my dad was really, really a really good dude growing up, I, you know, I thought. But later on, he made the wrong decisions. And um, going through that time in life, man, I, I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about my faith in God. Uh, I leaned on my teammates a lot to have honest conversations with them. Um, I talk about that relationship you need to have with your kids and your mom. Uh, those relationships I had helped me throughout my career because it was like, okay, I knew pro day was coming. I knew I couldn't. I came into college running four six, you know, consistently. I went from running four six to four nine. Like I knew that in 2011. I knew I wasn't topping in speed no more. I knew my my height wasn't ideal for the NFL. So that year I got hurt. Um, I took that year to learn about coaching because my best friend was Addison Williams. And he had already started being a student coach when Stefan got there in 09. We, me, him, and Chris Culver were roommates. And I kind of watched his path. It was a guy named Oris Lambert from Jackson, who was the GA when I was a linebacker, a guy named Wayman Jackson that was a GA. And it's something that I always did. I don't see it too often a lot. But every game we had, we would always have a book laying in our – on locker, you know, as a program for that game. And I always looked at the families in there. I, you know, I always wanted the family, all that stuff, but I always looked at the coaches. I looked at what they did, how they got there. And then my defensive coordinator in high school, Fred Cover, made me want to be a coach because I saw how he changed lives. Like, you talk about Jacksonville and Duval, and you can go down this path or that path. This guy changed the lives of so many kids. And then just seeing how one scholarship can change the dynamic of a whole family, how it can affect so many generations later. And so I knew I wanted to be a coach later on. No matter how long I played in the NFL, I knew I wanted to be a coach. And so kind of watching Addison, him being my roommate, and seeing like, I'm thinking like, when I be a GA, I'm at the GA for three years. I was blessed enough where I was on the field coaching that first year after I got done playing. We had a bunch of freshman linebackers and sophomores, guys I just got done playing with. We had Sky at the time, he was a freshman. We had, you know, Go Lightly. We had all these guys. We had Vic. We still had Clowning. I was really close with, you know, Chaz Sutton and those guys. So they were still able to lean on me for that leadership. But it was like I was blessed where I g eight that year. We won the highest-ranked team to finish the season. And my defensive coordinator, that relationship I built with him, Ellis Johnson was really hard on me, man. He was really hard on me at, from the whole time he was there, from 08 to 11. And it was all out of love. And the relationship I built with him, he offered me a job at Arbor. And I was just so loyal. I wanted to be at South Carolina. I wanted my dream, my dream still to the day is to run around. Now it's, you know, the Atlanta Ben Stadium. I want to run around with that SEC circular banner being SEC champions. Yeah, it leads to a national championship, but I, everybody mostly knows you win the SEC championship, you're going to the big show. And, uh, you know, growing up, seeing it as a kid, but that relationship I built with Ellis 
I went to the national championship game out there, Florida State versus Auburn. He offered me a job, and I actually got put on side of that following year. So that's how I became a quality control. Quality control is you're an analyst. Um, that's just what they called it then. It was the first year, the first time they ever had it. As far as I know, they had an analyst ever on coast on a, on a South Carolina staff, and uh, I was blessed to get the opportunity. So you know, I was I was good financially. You know what I mean? It wasn't like I. I was working for free like I did when I first got cut by the Saints. I did go take a job. Like Byron said, I took a job with Miss Poochie, Suzanne Poochie with Stanley Steamer. I did a uh, – it's a hotel we ride by. Every time we go to the um, airport, it's a hotel right there. You know, you make the left and you go under the underpass. But it's a hotel that's like right there next to the highway. And I did a uh, I did a water damage job. All the, the hotel caught fire, did a water damage job. Miss Poochie gave me that job. And we had to go and I had to wear a syntax suit. We had to tape it. And I was there from like, I want to say 7 to 9 p.m. And I worked that job. I got paid really good for that job. I actually took a trip to Miami, you know, just to have some fun. I went to a Beyonce concert. I sung every song. I'm like, I sung every song. Every song. I sung every one of them. But the hard work that I did while I was here in South Carolina, that prepared me for that job. Like, no lie. We ripping up carpets, it's cracked pipes, glass everywhere, everything you possibly think of in the hotel. Ripping it up, taking TVs, carrying them. The elevators don't work. You're carrying them down the stairs. Uh, everything that's in a hotel room is literally we ripping it up. And me doing that job for one week, and then just doing my my normal job at Stanley Steamer for that month before I actually started GN. It. I wasn't afraid of hard work, man. Like, I actually worked, had a job. Me and Rodney Paul and my roommate at the time, Quake Gilkers, had a job at a gym off Clemson Road while I was in college. Um, just to, like, have money to send back to the family. Um, and it was like, man, I wasn't afraid of hard work. And I knew what consisted of coaching because of Addison and being so close to him and that year being hurt. That was my year to get into coaching. Like, that's why I took it as I learned how to do the breakdowns. It was a blessing. I look back now, it was a blessing. And every situation that you're in, you have to learn something from it. And that's how I seen every situation. It might take me a day or two, but I learned. I instantly snapped into it. Like, all right, what you going to learn from this situation right here? Mm-hmm. What's going on? What you going to learn from it? How are you going to get better from it? That optimism that you talked about, that, that resiliency you talk about, that came from our village, man. Our moms hung out a lot, you know what I mean? And, you know, it was just like, no matter what, no matter what the uh, opportunity is or what the situation is, you can learn something from it. You can get better from it. It's just, how do you see it? How mm-hmm. do you see it? And and what, are you listening to the people that's around you? You know, are you listening? Are you enjoying the moments? Like in this culture thing, enjoy the moments, bro. Like I, I say this to the coaches on staff, man. I, I say this to Mike P a ton of times. When I moved to Jacksonville, Mike Peterson was a middle linebacker for the Jacksonville Jaguar. Dark visor. I'm a kid moving to a new place. And I won an award, uh, you know, best in Jacksonville. Then at the end, you you win a uh, you be a Super 11 or a Super 22. At the end of the year, you go on the field, you stand next to the Jaguar players. So I stand next to the Jaguar players. It's Mike Peterson. He come in a couple years later. I get moved to recruiting. You know, I walk into work. I see everybody get fired. I see people packing their stuff up. This is my first time really, like, realizing what how coaching is. 
when, you know, Coach Spurrier left and Coach Elliott had, you know, took over the team. And, you know, I mean, Coach Muschamp, and I, I got recruited by Coach Muschamp. First thing I did, like, this is a tough situation. Everybody walking on pins and needles. I go up and shake his hand, introduce him. Hey, how you doing, Coach? You know, um, I love to be here. Blah, blah, blah. And, uh, but Mike, Mike Peterson coming working here, man. I, he probably got tired of me telling, I was like, hey, bro, it's a blessing to be around you, man. Just because I knew where he came from. I knew what he did for the city of Jacksonville, giving back. Um, and it was huge, man. Like, even going to Tennessee, I'm around Chris Winky. My sister comes and drives from Lakeland, Florida to Knoxville, Tennessee. And my sister, like, she's 10 years older than me. She grew up going to school in FAMU, but she used to cook for the Florida State players. Sharon Dorsey, Chris Winky, uh, Snoop Menace, Travis Minor, Peter Ward, Vernius Coles, uh, Anquan Bowen, all those guys. And uh, I remember getting autographs from them. I remember the first time I played a Madden video game, and they put the first down marker on there, and the guys were doing the Dirty Bird on the uh, game. Well, Chris Winky signed that signed that poster I had, and them guys winning the national championship in 99. And uh, when I went to work at Tennessee, my sister came to visit. And they saw each other, and they was I was like, Chris, man, this is my sister Candace. She used to cook food for all y'all in, in college. You know, she would cook for everybody. That's how she made money in college. And uh, I just always tried to enjoy the moments. Like, Mike, we've been together, man. You say, I try to be in that moment. I try to listen to you, and I try to really enjoy being in that moment and living life because it's so short, man. This thing happened so fast. I had a teammate mm. pass away that I was really close to. Mm-hmm. He passed away the dad a couple of days after his pro day in Minnesota, and that changed my life in 2011. You know, like we grew up, he was nine, I was 10, other linebackers was 11, Nigel was 12, and everybody, you go to First Coast, they got us on trucks, bro. They got pictures of us, holographic trucks, and he got his number retired. But it was like, you're in the best shape, shape of your life, man. You pass away in your sleep, at, you know, at a young age. You're in college, you about to go to the NFL. We came out the same year. We had We had a really good class. And it was like, I never, from that moment, man, I didn't take nothing for granted. I didn't take, man, I'm smiling. I'm hugging my teammates. Let me tell you, I, everybody I hug, I'm going to pick you up off your feet. I'm going to hug you tight. Everybody. Everybody, man. That just, you really got to enjoy moments of life like that, man, and embrace it. We've seen it, you know, recently, you know, in the last two weeks of what's going on, man, you know. You got to really love on everybody that you're around. You got to really love on them. And the game of coming to South Carolina, being around all these amazing people, man, has made life so enjoyable. It has made – I couldn't – I tell people, I, was, I couldn't imagine not coming to South Carolina. Growing up, you know, in Florida, but I couldn't imagine all the people I've met that have been blessings. And I hope I've been a blessing for them as well. But it's just consistent love, bro. And the hard work has – made everybody successful. Even when they hit a roadblock, man, they instantly – it's just like doing an up-down, bro. They instantly hop up and, all right, let's go back to work. You know what I'm saying? And they got people around them to hug them tight, man, and, and love on them and say, hey, it's going to be okay. How are we going to push forward, man? And it all comes in playing football, but life is life is huge, bro. It, it, it really helps in life to have brothers to hug on you and love on you, man, throughout life. <sighs> Man, I, Mike, Nick, I don't, I don't really know. I don't really know what to say after this, this podcast. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm ready. To, shit, I'm ready to suit up again. <laughs> number one, 
Number two, I feel like I can do anything I want to do, and I can. I know that, and I'm reminded of that every time you speak, man. It's just it's, um, you put life into perspective for all of us, and you put it in the right perspective because there is such thing as a wrong perspective. And, you know, I just, as as overwhelming as life can be, as challenging as life can be, when you speak, like when, when, when we hear you speak, when you, we hear you talk, it, the, the gratefulness comes out, the humbleness comes out. But I mean, it's just, it goes back to that core center of like love, 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 love everything, love what you do, love your fate, whatever your fate is. And it's, um, it's just refreshing. It's refreshing to hear that again, um, to, 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 to consume that again. And, I can't, bro, I can't thank you enough. I mean, just for your, just for who you are, uh, because it's, I don't know, it's contagious. You you talk about that word contagious with Coach Beamer, you, you, you are contagious and, and it's in, it's in the most, it's what we need. It's what we need in this world. And, um, to have that around our players right now, I mean, God, like, I'm 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 happy for them. Uh, Shaq, what 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 do you what do you want our players to leave with? Every players the players you're around, what do you want them to leave with? I want them to leave with knowing they're human. Mm. I want them to know they're human. I want them to embrace being human. Um I want them to embrace being themselves. Like be you, be you, and do and be you to the highest possible level you can. Um, communicate, bro. Uh, that's just 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 huge, man. And it's been really, it's been really, 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 really great being around Coach Beamer and his staff and these players because. Like I said, I've been multiple places. Tennessee was amazing. South Carolina's been amazing. But it's nothing more amazing than being able to go do what you love every single day. And right now, I feel like the players on the team need to realize, man, you're doing something. I pray that they're doing something they love. And while you're here, find something that you love. Find something you love and give your all to it. Like, life is a marathon. And just embrace being human, man. Embrace embrace getting better every day. Embrace waking up. Embrace the fact that man or woman, you want to get up, you want to protect, you want to provide. And just love, man. Love every single thing you do. And when those situations come up where you're down, you're in your head, you're thinking, take a moment to breathe. And just say to yourself, man, I'm human. I'm human. You know, find out, find, just take your time and find things that you love to do, man. And like, I love coaching. Like, I love being in the sports room. Uh, I love this time with you guys right now, man. It's it's amazing because it can be heard worldwide. And it, it just helping one player at a time, bro. It's something like that. I, I want every coach to take time to do 
it's like, you know, you start to mean you want to get on that ball, you know, take that time and listen to your players and ask them what's going on. Ask them what's going on with them. Ask them what they're battling. Ask them what they're having fun with, what they're enjoying, and get down and never be afraid to get down on that level and, you know, pick their head up, grab their hand and say, hey, I'm here with you. You know what I'm saying? Because everybody is, you know, everybody's auditioning for a new a new role at all times. But embrace that role you're in right now and know you're a star in that role. Know that you're a star in that role. And that's in every job that you have in life. That's in every relationship you have right now in life. Be a star son right now. You know what I'm saying? Be a star son. Love on moms. Be a star Be a star brother to your family, bro. To you. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's something about embracing the role that you're in right now. And it'll lead to all your goals. Write your goals down, man. I, I can tell – I want to tell the players this. When I got to Tennessee, the reason I went to Tennessee is because I wanted to get back on the field coaching. Mm-hmm. I could have looked at it like Coach Muschamp. He gave me a great job. I learned a lot in recruiting for those two years. But I really wanted to be on the field coaching. I felt like I had mentored and coached some of the best guys. My guy, Sky, got his name out there on the stadium, bro, from Florida. Wide receiver, only offers at Rutgers. My guy got his name on the stadium. Me and him ran stadiums plenty of times in the morning for, you know, situations where, you know, I wanted him to get better. The coaches wanted to get better. I'm playing music for him. It might feel like a punishment. He got him in great condition. We all run them as linebackers. But I uh, I went to Tennessee, bro. I embraced being around all the players. I embraced being able to coach all the players for those three years, man, being able just to learn and uh, just being somewhere, being from Florida, being in the mountains, bro, it was, it was a blessing. And then when this opportunity came to be back at South Carolina, it was like third time to charm, bro. I've been here as a player. I've been here as a coach. I've been here as a recruiter in the uh, recruiting role, player person in role. And it was like, man, it was like coming back going to be gonna be amazing. Like, it's something you was doing, bro. And I actually got a PowerPoint from you because, you know, when you – when uh, Andre Goodman left, you know, the player development role. And it was something on one of the slides one day I was doing a presentation. I got a couple guys to come and talk. One of the guys came and talked that worked with President Obama. And it said, make sure you invest, but make sure you invest. So, like, it was like saying that when the lights turn off in the stadium, just when the lights turn off, where did you invest your time at? And I'm big on telling the players, go up, shake somebody's hand, say your name loud and proud, look them in the eye. Embrace having eye contact with people. Man or woman, embrace it. Embrace knowing how to talk to people. Embrace learning about financial literacy, learning how to save your money. Um, you know, building relationships. But that was a big thing for me. It was like, when these lights turn off, where did you invest your time? In order for me to get back here to South Carolina, I had invested my time in people in the administration that was all around the school. That was all around the school. And uh, Chance Miller was one of those guys. Um, Mr. Waddell was one of those guys. Um, it was just like, man, everything here was just like, the players, my teammates, I invested so much time in all that. It was love. It was love that it was love that I didn't know um, where it was going to come from, but I knew I deserved and I knew I invested and I knew it was always going to come back. And uh, it was something that, you know, I talk about my village and my sister and my mom. My sister could turn a rotten, a rotten apple into gold, man, just the way she loves on people. And I took that same stuff from my family, bro, and just tried to – to pour it out on the team. One of my greatest moments, bro, 
to me is when we beat Georgia 35 to 7, but it was after the game when uh when uh oh, I can't think of it. Andrew uh, I don't think he was our pastor, he was our chaplain, team chaplain. He asked me to pray for both sides of the team. And it's a picture that Dylan sent me, you know, all holding hands, praying out the game. That was a huge moment for me, man, because I knew how much I invested into my faith. And I felt so honored, bro, just to be able to pray over everybody, bro. And it was it was great being a team leader here, bro, because I knew that was just going all the way. I had, I had a chance to impact people, and I always wanted to leave a positive impact. So I would just say to the players, invest your time in things that you know you're going to be able to get that same love back, man. And, you know, when those lights turn off, they're going to turn off for you one day. They're going to turn off for you one day. When they turn off, man, where did you invest your time? How did you show your love? Did you take time to listen to people and learn? Um, and my fact about when I was at Tennessee was I wrote down my goals, bro. I called it Mastermind 2018. And I need to write down my goals for this year. And every goal I had, I had financial goals. I had personal goals. I had career goals. And every goal I had came true, man. It was just the fact that I wrote it down. I wrote it down. I, I put out a plan. That I want to accomplish this. And it happened, bro. And it happened. And it, it continues to happen. It's just in God's timing uh, with opportunities that that come up, that come about. And, um, like, this opportunity right here, man, this, this is a big blessing, Mike, Nick. Like, this is a big blessing to be able to spend time with you guys on this beautiful day, bro, because, you know, life's, life's happen. It happens fast. And uh, it's a lot. It's a lot of great people here in South Carolina right now. Coach Beam, Coach Beam got a ton of great people around here. And everybody's got to continue to embrace each other, embrace that love, embrace that accountability, man. And uh, it's always going to always pay off. It's just a matter of due time and, and staying together, bro. We had a lot of times where adversity struggles, bro, and we came together. The leaders on that team stood up and said what they need to be said, and uh, everybody realized they was a leader. And that's something I really want guys on the team and coaches to understand. Everybody that's around, it's probably 256 people that come through that building, and everybody's a leader. And you have to not be afraid to speak up and, and say what you have to say, and people have to be humble enough to listen to what people are saying and take heed to it and put it into their plans. But, man, take time with your players. And I want the players to take time to check on the coaches, man. Ain't nothing like when your birthday come. My birthday came last week. Players were calling my phone, bro. That, that was big. It wasn't just a text, but calling your phone, man, that was – that hit you, bro. That hit you, man. That, that's love. So, man, just, just, just want guys to invest their time in the right places, bro. Enjoy life, man. But invest, invest your time in the right places. Cause we had a lot of fun here, man. We had a ton of fun. But in in Shaq, try to be as quick as you can, cause we got we got to mention it. You had a chance to be able to to see Grant Williams up close during your time at Tennessee. We're getting ready for the NBA Finals. I know you'll be pulling for him, which makes me happy. Yep. But you know what 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 was it like being able to see him? Because I know there's a lot of people that follow SEC basketball here, not just the Gamecocks. Grant Williams is tough. He is tough, man. He's tough. He can do it all. Uh, a guy that worked extremely hard. A guy that we was trying to get to come over and play football. Like literally, see Grant. Hey, man, come over and play with a big dog. Like he got it. What position got it, man. would it be? Man, Grant. He got soft hands. He could be a tight end easily. Yeah. Defense in if you want to. You know what I'm saying? You want to 
you want to get a guy in a position where he may be able to make a high impact. And uh, Crank was awesome, bro. Just like my guy sitting right here on camera with his lap, man. Mm -hmm. Got the same traits. Work hard, humble enough to listen to everybody, brave enough to speak up when he need to speak up, and uh, just led by example all the times. I saw him and Coach Barnes over to put the work in, and Coach G with the basketball strength and conditioning, man. He was he was awesome to just have around on campus, man. I, that's something I could say about when Coach Staley got here in 2008. It was contagious having Coach Staley here, man. Like, and it's, it's still contagious. And what the baseball team did, I feel like everybody has to know, man, they have that type of influence on all the different programs and just to embrace it, man, show love, get out to each other's games and support. And uh, Grant was one of those guys, man. he come over to football and support, man, any chance he got. And uh, I'm excited to see him in this, in this championship, man. This Boston put it they, – they did their thing, man. I'm happy he got that shine a couple of games ago where he was letting it, letting it fly because he worked on – he'd been working on that shot those last three years. You see a couple of guys putting out stories of how, how much better he's gotten. And uh, it's great to see him balling, man, because he deserved it. He deserved it. Well, Shaq, we appreciate it, man. I think for the second straight week we've been able to – have Gamecock fans learn about someone that maybe they don't get to hear that much from these days. And obviously you've played a vital role, not just during your time as a defensive analyst, but going back as a player and grad assistant, everything. And I mean, shoot, this is just coming from an outsider. I mean, Nick just graduated from USC. Um, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I'm sure he'd say, you know, he appreciates being able to, to hear from the other side of it right now. And if Marcus, of course, had a chance to be able to play with you so the, you're trying to be able to build something special over there i mean that's what it's about and being able to hear from you and byron you know south carolina is certainly headed in the right direction but as we all know get those wins but you guys are headed in the right time. direction definitely man it takes time um and, and we want the success right now i to tell you man we that chip on your shoulder man like i say i said it before coming from winning programs you want to win right now, and we're going to do everything in our power to win right now. And uh, I think it's just having that positivity in you, man, and believing. If you believe something, it can happen. And if you put the work in, it's going to happen. It's just about always finding a way to stay together. When that adversity strikes, get tighter. You know what I'm saying? Get tighter, stay tight, and just keep building, man. Keep building. And uh, we're going to run the ball. We're going to stop the run. You know what I'm saying? Going to win this supposed to play battle. <laughs> going to win the turnover battle. Going to win the fourth quarter, man. And Coach Beamer got the right plan, man. Guys got to keep buying in. We got to keep getting great guys here from winning programs that want to come to South Carolina and, you know, achieve achieve everything they want, man. Because it's, it's great walking in there, looking at that trophy case, knowing, you know, we had a part in seven of those trophies in there, but we want some more. And it's going to happen. And Coach Beamer going to bring them here. And I'm excited to spend this time here with him, man, to, to keep bringing this program to where it needs to be at. Well, once again, big thank you to Shaq Wilson for joining us. And, and guys, I mean, shoot, Byron last week, Shaq this week. Marcus, you were just mentioning it to me off air. A lot of similarities when you start listening to those two guys. And those are two great guys to be able to have when you're trying to be able to get a program headed back in that direction where, you know, when you talk about the heyday of South Carolina football, the majority of that successful run was during times when Shaq and Byron were there. And of course you were there as well. And Mike, I didn't even realize it. You know, when I was thinking of who to bring, like who would number one, who would want to come on the podcast and who to bring on the podcast, those two 
like just innately popped into my head simply because of the experiences that I've had with them. It like it was always upbeat, optimistic, positive. I don't think we, you know, I want to. I don't think we've ever heard as many names that he mentioned. Like, mm. I mean, that that's just kind of like proof that he has learned from thousands of people. Like, I mean, you, like I heard, I think we heard over a hundred names, and that like. I don't know. That just kind of shows what type of person he is. I mean, he's not afraid to learn from anybody. But yeah, it was. That's who he was as a player, as a leader, and that's who he is as a coach. I mean, you talk about embracing life. What he kind of said at the end there, and we talked off air about it. I mean, in a way, that's kind of what it is. If you're embracing life, you're embracing all your experiences. You're learning from everything. You're learning from everyone you meet and every, everything you do. And that's why he has so many names to drop because he learned from everyone. He learned at Tennessee. He learned while he was a player. He learned in high school. I mean, you're, he mentioned stories about when he's probably 12 years old about kids at his high school doing it and he's looking up to them. I mean, talk about having goals at a young age and wanting to attain them and making a plan and learning. And he did that from the eight, from 10 years old when he moved or however old he was. I mean, he just, he truly did. He's embraced every experience he's had and he was learning the whole way through. And I think those go hand in hand. And one thing too, that really stood out to me and I wasn't going to ask him this because I didn't think it was a fair question to ask him during the show. Because, you know, we have a lot of these guests. On. We'll ask them tough questions occasionally. Um, but I, what is he going to barely be able to say? I think there was this notion that when Sterling Lucas was hired, right? A lot of people, especially I can tell you a lot of former, former football players at USC. When Mike Peterson left to go back to his alma mater at Florida, a lot of people wanted to see Shaq have that opportunity to take that position. And rightfully so. I understand that. But you hear one thing that he mentioned, right? Oh, is there any resentment between certain? No, he actually was like, man, we got another guy from Jacksonville here. That really stood out to me because there's going to be a lot of people on the outside saying, hey, and I'm not saying this is a, oh, Mike's trying to start a narrative. Hear me out. They're going to naturally think, oh, you know, he's going to have resentment because that's a position he felt that he deserved. Instead, it's the complete opposite. He's like, man, there's another guy from Jacksonville here and he's here and look what he's doing. That's the type of positivity you need. And I wanted to point that out because that I mean, there was a lot of things that he said that stood out. We'll post some of it on Gamecock Central. But that really stood out to me. That really stood out to me is that, hey, look, we're trying to build this village of being able to compete for SEC titles here. Everyone's got to be on the same page. So that that was something that was really powerful that I took from him. Absolutely. Uh, I remember that controversy. I know exactly what you're talking about, Mike. When that when that whole when that whole thing came out, and yes, like you said, rightfully so. Is he ready? Absolutely. He's a gamecock, but I mean, what what good will it do? You know, what good will it do for the common goal of? I mean, taking the thing all the way. You know, I mean, I, I'm I'm pretty sure. You know, if if Shaq Wilson, if Shaq Wilson, there's not there's not a bit of animosity in Shaq Wilson's body. I mean, and it's just like, 
I don't know. It, it's 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 special. It's special to I, hear. I'm 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 excited for this team. I mean, simply because that I mean that's in the locker room. Like that's yeah. around the players and I mean Mike, you mentioned that, like the, the ability to still like cooperate and learn. He's still learning. I mean, talking to Byron and now Shaq, how could you not feel so good about what's going on with South Carolina football? I mean, I remember when Coach Beamer first got hired and you kind of were learning about how he ran the team and, you know, love your brother was the number one rule, and that was awesome. And I was so excited that that was coming kind of back to South Carolina, but also, you know, just arriving with Coach Beamer. But now you you listen to Byron and Shaq, the guys who are coaching these kids, who are with them a lot of the time and building those relationships, and I just – you can't help but be excited for – the, for Gamecock football, I mean, if those, if if that's who the kids are, these these young men are around mm-hmm. every day, then they're in good hands. I mean, whether it's in a football mindset or even in just life, they're gonna learn, and so they're in a, they're in good hands. And I've spoke with a lot of people close to the program, a lot of people, and th- and, I, and I say this because Lad, I mean, shoot, these are people that probably Lad played ball with. There's a lot of people that say, man, Shaq's going to be a hell of a coach one day. Hell of a coach. You know, he's doing a great job in his role right now. But whenever that opportunity comes to take that next step, whether it be at South Carolina, and hopefully it is at South Carolina, but whether it be at another school, he's going to be a hell of a coach. And you can find out why. And it goes back to something that's going to be a broken record that we probably say in this podcast, Marcus. They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And when you hear Byron, when you hear Shaq, it's evident. It's evident. But it goes back to, and you started naming some of those people that he mentioned, right? And obviously it starts with Shane Beamer, but it trickles down. It's from the strength and conditioning coaches. A lot of them all have that same mindset. A lot of them all have that same mindset that he mentioned, some of those names. I'm with you. I, I mean, like it, it's it's really that simple. It, it's yeah. Another great week. Another another great, great week. Another great week. And also, before we close things out, another commitment for the class of 2023 for the Gamecocks. On three has him rated as a four-star offensive lineman, six four, three hundred ten pounds from the ATL, oh, yeah. Atlanta, Georgia. Trevon Ba. Get more linemen. Offensive lineman. And here's what I'll say about this. And Marcus will be all smiles because I know as a running back, this is the type of offensive lineman you want up front. I've talked to some former Gamecock offensive linemen. And this is the first thing they point out to me. And you watch the highlight. Mm. He finishes until the whistle and even after the whistle. He's going, you know, blind side, driving people into the stands, you know, hitting the popcorn guy in the third row. Like he is driving dudes and finishing his blocks. This is a big boy, and the best part about it is you can see some of that baby weight on him still. You get him in the weight room with Luke Day for a year, (laughs) this man is going to be a tank, a tank. So second public commitment, because there's been some silence, 
this is the second public commitment, though. Just happened over the weekend. So South Carolina is starting to fill up that class of 2023 class. And uh, not bad to be able to get a 6'4", 310 offensive lineman. Mm. I'll take that all day long. All great way to long. great way to end the episode. Absolutely. A four-star offensive lineman. Well, hope you guys all have a good week. We're going to do it again next week. Be sure to look out for the new Twitter account, Believe in South Carolina, so you can get all your updates on some of these new shows that will be coming out, some of the guests that will be coming out as well. And if you are a subscriber on Gamecock Central, join the conversation. Let us know what you think about the episode and uh, give us a nice little five-star review too. We like those as well. You guys have been listening to Believe in South Carolina. We'll do it again next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.